welcome to the I Believe podcast and a Cure Insight production brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Welcome to the I Believe podcast. I'm here today for um, a conversation with Lisa, who actually I met at the 5K looking for a cure in Arizona last year um, after she and Mark had moved here. So um, I'm going to let her tell you guys a little about her and her husband's story. Um, Mark is actually the patient, and so we're interviewing Lisa, the caregiver today. And um, of course, she's a caregiver, but first and foremost, I think she would say she's a wife and a mother and so many other things like that make up her story outside of you know, her and her husband living with this cancer diagnosis. So, um, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell us just a little about you, where you're from, um, where Mark is from and what this journey has kind of looked like so far? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, I'm Lisa and my husband, Mark was diagnosed with ocular melanoma in 2011 and, um, he was diagnosed with Mets in 2020. And um, prior to the Mets, we kind of lived a carefree life, raised four children, three boys and a girl, and um, just lived our life as normal people. I love it. Thank you. Um, so I know like this is this has been there's there's a lot of things we could talk about um, in just kind of offering the caregiver's perspective and just and and just I guess we talked about this before, but we want to kind of be clear that like Lisa's perspective is just one perspective, and there are so many different ways that people feel this, that everybody experiences this, um, and we know and we're sensitive to the fact that obviously patients patients have a unique experience and caregivers have a unique experience, and I think what what we're trying to maybe um, bring home is the idea that or what I would would like to convey um, to everyone who's listening is just this idea that that one experience and one person's feelings does not invalidate the other person's experience. They can both exist. They can both be hard in different ways and for different reasons. Um, and they can both, you know, have their ups and downs. And, and we, I think are all, you know, I, as a patient am valid in the feeling the way that I feel, but my caregiver, my husband, my, my mom, my sisters, they're all valid in feeling and, and being impacted by this cancer and this diagnosis, the same as, as anyone else, um, who is a patient. Is it the same? No, it's not the same, but we do feel it. And I think that, you know, the way that you feel it is not any less important than the way that I feel it. I think that that's, that's part of being human. We talked about how we're, you know, big empaths and we, we feel things big. Um, so let's just talk about, you know, when Mark got his initial diagnosis, like, so first time you found out there was a tumor in his eye, how did this affect you just mentally, emotionally, and kind of what, what went through your brain at that moment? Well, it's kind of hard to go back to that time. Um, I will tell you that initially, initially we were really scared, but we didn't know how big this could get. I guess you could say we, we, we just kind of went to the doctor's appointments, did what they said. You know, we knew that this part of it was, um, curable. We knew that the eye tumor was going to be taken care of, hopefully. 
Um, but we had, we had great hope and great faith in our doctors. And so we just kind of went for the ride. And um, I remember, you know, a lot of crying and, you know, that kind of thing, but mostly it was kind of a positive thing. We waited for basically a doctor's words as to, you know, this is your next step. This is what you need to do. And we just followed the protocol. Um, it wasn't until METS that um, the panic really struck. And I will tell you that, you know, we just put our heads down. I tell people we put our heads down and just buried ourselves in social media, in books, in speaking to people all across the world, basically. I had no problem picking up the phone. Mark had no problem picking up the phone and just really trying to disseminate, like, how we navigate. How do you navigate this? And the one thing that I will tell you is that we were panic stricken. And um, because we got the, the diagnosis that uh, we went to an oncologist in, in Portland and he basically told Mark, you have, you have six months to live. I remember sitting in those chairs and him just, we were just like a number. I felt like a number. Here you go. Sit down. My next patient's probably a, has lung cancer. And then my next patient, we, there was no real OM expertise there. And I could feel it from the beginning. And to be told that he has six months to live, um, and he even kind of said that even with treatment. Um, uh, I remember asking specifically, is there anything on the horizon that's kind of coming out that's new? Um, and his exact words to Mark and I were, there's nothing I'm excited about. And we walked out of that appointment. Uh, we're typically, you know, tickers in life. And then we walked out as Eeyores that day and just cried and cried and cried. But we put our heads down, took about three months to kind of rise above the, the mist, I guess you would say. And just, um, we learned to navigate. And, you know, one of the things that I want to get across here today is that I wish that there was a better way for people to be able to navigate when the clock is ticking. And when you're giving this diagnosis, you, you need resources. And I wish somebody would have just maybe handed me a piece of paper in the doctor's office and said, look it, you're not stuck in this office here. There's, there's things out there. And here's what I know. The problem is yeah. they don't know. No, that's such a challenge for sure. And so it is. Well, and it's it hard is. too. So as like, a caregiver. I, mean, yeah, I was going to say, as, from a caregiving perspective, it's, I mean, it's one thing as a patient to be sitting in those, in those shoes and to feel like, you know, you're basically being told you have an expiration date and that it's because of this. And it's like, and, and for a doctor, I, and I, I, I want to make sure that we're being clear that like, this is, this is what happened to Lisa and Mark. And so to me, this is not yeah, everyone's is experience. Me. Some oncologists deliver the news far yeah. better. And obviously we do have some really great melanoma, like uveal melanoma focused yeah. oncologists. There's, you know, a handful of them throughout yes. the country and, and more of them are kind of popping up. And there's, there's definitely some progress being made in the mm -hmm. oncology world where uveal melanoma is a topic of discussion, but two, three years ago, or I guess we could even argue four years ago for you guys, it wasn't a topic of discussion um, at the same level that it is now. And so you guys were told you have a limited amount of time. And this is, this is very, um, this is very much what your guys's reality was. And so like, yeah, that would be, that would be horrifying. Like, that's not what I was told. That's not what most people these days are told in a uveal melanoma oncologist's office. Right. 
But you guys didn't have that experience. Right. You guys had an experience with someone who no. had very minimal no. experience and exposure to UM um, and who really just didn't take the time. If they, if they had the capacity to, they didn't take the time to really delve into more um, because it's rare and it's small and he probably only has ever seen one uveal melanoma metastatic patient or maybe two right. in his entire career. Like, well, and he, he basically said, you know, we have, we have one thing we can do and you can do which is an evo. Obviously, and, um, and I mean, you and I right. know, like, and, and many patients know sometimes that can work, but it doesn't sometimes, or it's, it, there's just, there's debates on what should be the frontline treatment and if that's a good frontline treatment and, and, Anyway, but I'm I'm sorry that you guys were essentially kind of written off like that, because um, that just that sounds yeah. So it, really it, frustrating. It, it, took, it well, it took a turn for the worse in the beginning. You know, it it affected the children. It affected me. It affected um, my son. Just keeps chiming in here. Um, it affected the entire family. And again, that doesn't negate how Mark felt um that must have been the i mean i know it was because we talk about it it had to have been the most gut-wrenching feeling you know you have we talked about this the other day Danae. you have hopes of we we were two years out from being empty nesters after raising the four kids and so you have a an idea of the way your life is supposed to look right and the 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 the, the story has been written so you think because that's how you kind of go through your life you have all these little milestones and you have all these um, little, little points in your life where you go, Hey, we made it to this, or we did that. Well, ours, um, and a lot of people's and, um, don't turn out the way that you think that they're going to turn out. And so, um, that's okay. We're in a better spot now, but at the time, um, it just didn't yeah, it's, feel I right. Mean, it's devastating. It at first. Like it's, it's, pa it's panic. It's panic. And again, as his wife, I want to take that from him. And at the same time, I'm grieving. And I'm feeling like I'm not supposed to say too much because is it about me? Well, yeah, it is because we're a family and we're a team, but really he's the patient and, and I needed him to process first. Um, and so you do end up kind of taking a backseat a little bit. And um, that was hard. That was really hard. And then the fight came out after about three months, the fight came out and we were not going to take no for an answer. We found Philadelphia. We were cheering for the Eagles. We're, we're actually Seahawks <laughs> fans. We were cheering for the Eagles because of the camaraderie and the feeling that we got when we finally made it there. We had to jump through so much red tape to actually get there. And, um, and they're coming, you know, I'm, I was just West Coast to East Coast. I mean, literally across the country. Like this yeah. is not just <laughs> during during the height during the height of the pandemic mind you okay so first of all you're navigating covid secondly you're navigating um you, we had to change insurances and when you when you get the diagnosis that you have six months to live you know how long things take that red tape to kind of bust through it was just something I'm sure it was absurd it, it, it was absurd and we kept getting roadblock after roadblock and then guess what happened things started opening up and blessings starting to started to happen and mark and i would look at each other and say okay, we're believers. And we'd say, now that was a God thing. That felt good. That was, you know, your community comes out, you're, you know, and, and everybody has a different 
I know everybody has a different well, situation. But, I mean, I know people I have, who have I have a different that... belief system. I don't have maybe the same level of you know, religious belief, but I still had almost a, almost an identical experience to be honest, where I had that feeling of panic and that feeling of okay, everything is kind of coming down around me and it feels like nothing is working out. One thing after another, another thing, another thing, another thing, and it was just yeah. like domino effects of crappy things. They just kept happening. And then and then it just suddenly kind of flipped. And it was like, it's not that everything got better all of a sudden. Like, you still are dealing with metastatic no. disease. You're still dealing with some of the same problems that you've been dealing with, except that you start seeing the ways that things are working out for you, even if it's just small ways. And you start to mm -hmm. notice those. And I know I notice those because if I don't notice those, then I'm miserable all the time. Like, I, it helps me to notice those good things and to look for the gifts and to look for, like you said, like those, you know, that was a God thing or like, you know, that was a tender mercy or that was a blessing. Like, whatever it is, like when you find those things, it becomes a lot easier to see them and they build up. And I feel like it yeah. makes, it makes it at least, I mean, for me and I think for you, it makes it a little bit easier to carry this, um, a little more manageable. Yes, because, because people in life are looking for, that little granule of hope. And I know that not everything works out rosy and not everything's unicorns and rainbows. I get that. But what I found is in the very beginning, I was trying to search for that one person, that one little piece of hope. And I'll tell you, I hit a lot of brick walls and it was kind of the same sentence written all over again, ocular melanoma, you know, and then it talked about the, the, the prognosis and I, and it was like the same paragraph. Well, I decided I didn't want to read that paragraph anymore. I wanted to read something beyond that. And I did find a couple people that gave us hope. Well, that one little ounce of hope led us to the next ladder, so to speak, the next little step. And that step led us to another opening of maybe talking to another person or that had maybe a similar experience that Mark had where, you know, he's doing well. Um, and, and sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes Mark will say, I don't want you to put that on social media because I feel like we're bragging and I'll have to say, you know what, hon, we're not bragging. We're offering hope. We're giving somebody hope and, and bragging about your health and the fact that you have managed to be out six months when somebody gave you six, yes, I mean, almost three, three years. years when somebody gave you six months. It um, it's not something, not yeah, it's definitely, that's a, that's a success it's, it's, story. it's the kind of hopeful story that we, we want to see that as patients. That's what helps patients like me who were initially diagnosed with Mets and then read, you know, read your story or hear from you and are like, okay, deep breath. Like I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like there is, there is definitely more of a chance that I'm going to be more okay for longer than I initially felt like it would, you know, be possible. But that and hope is and then, is because of stories like your guys's and you're being willing to talk about it. And I've kind of, I've noticed that with you. I I'm noticing, I mean, obviously I don't hang out with you, but I Wait, see what? you on social media Texting and I doesn't see count. the podcast <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but, but I think that, that when you can sit, when you can sit in your grief and you can sit in the, your anxiousness and you can sit in the remorse and the what ifs, if you can sit with that for just long enough, things do open up. Um, and that's the style the dogs are going to bark. It's okay. They just have to talk to you. It's fine. Somebody knocked on my door. Come here. Come here. It's okay. Sorry. No worries. I may have to. Nobody even comes to my door. I don't even know anybody. <laughs> you kidding me? 
Like I just moved here. Who knows me? It's okay. <laughs> Do you want me um, to go again? It's fine. I mean, I'll I'll mute. Why don't I mute you and then we'll just pause for a second. If you think they're good, then okay. There we go. All right. Pause. Take a little short break. I'm just gonna sit here and feel awkward on Facebook. It's fine. <laughs> All right, Lisa. We'll be right back. Um, so. And Lisa can come back and she can she can tell us more about this. But um, if you guys read in their Facebook story, I guess Facebook story, Facebook story, I guess that's what we would call it. Um, in the summary, just kind of talking about okay, this is what their journey with ocular melanoma has looked like so far. Um, I'll just kind of summarize that for you guys. For anybody who's coming in a little late to his story, so um, Mark's initial diagnosis was August 2011, and he had a choroidal melanoma in his left eye, class 1A, and he had brachytherapy September 2011. And then he had um, metastatic disease discovered in the liver in June of 2020. So obviously, those of us who are familiar with the biopsy, that's one of those like, <laughs> we talked about this too, didn't we? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like, what? Um and so you guys had that, that kind of change of like, oh, we were supposed to be, you know, prognosis wise, we were told we were, we were the best it could get. Um, so how, how did you guys both navigate that aspect of like, I mean, did you have to kind of well, just let it go yeah. and just like, okay, well, I guess it was wrong. Well, yeah, class 1A. And at the time, Prame wasn't a thing. So we don't know if he's Prame positive or negative, but I, I told you this the other day, I did not realize it never crossed my mind from 2011 to 2020 that he could develop meds. Now I know that sounds naive, but we would go to our yearly appointments. They would, you know, numb his eye and do the ultrasound and do all that stuff. And they'd say, you're good, Mark. Nice to see you. Oh my gosh. He'd make them laugh because Mark's a very happy person. And they would say they looked forward to our visits and, and, um, that was it. That was it. I mean, for us, he was cured. And I think I told you this the other day it, it, I almost wish that we would have had more conversations with our ocular oncologist and maybe how things were progressing for other people, or maybe what science was saying, because I would have changed some things drastically in our lifestyle. Had I thought about it more now, is it a gift maybe? Maybe it is a little bit of a gift that um, we didn't think about it. We were able to raise our kids. We were yeah, able because, to. I mean, you, you had know, a you had maybe a that's a blessing in disguise. Sure. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I I don't know how I feel about that. I have I have two kind of stories. I wish that I would have known more, but I also think it was yeah. a gift. If I would have known more, I would have changed some things, and I would have I would have changed maybe how Mark was handling his stress. There was stress in his life. I would have changed um, some of his, uh, and our, I mean, of our team. So the way that we eat, I would look at supplements differently. Um, I would look at really making sure his immune system was built up because that's when I talk about, when you and I have talked about integrative medicine, it's really about keeping your immune system strong. And we are there now. We are, we are there, I have learned. Um, a lot about what we can do to help ourselves. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, um, we got blindsided, no pun intended. It, we just, <laughs> it's 
So oh, and I forgot the math. It, I like was I was tough. looking at the math again of the years. Like I forgot that he was diagnosed in 2011, and then it wasn't until what nine years later, almost, that metastatic mm-hmm. disease. So mm-hmm. I guess if we were looking at some of the data, he and we were to hypothesize he probably was prime positive, but obviously prime didn't exist at the time, yeah. so it wasn't a test that they could test for. Yeah. But based on kind of the trajectory yeah. of what prime looks like, a class one A prime positive it would be somewhere 10 to 15 years is a potential metastasis. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that kind of lines up there with the hypothesis. So, um, but let's talk a little about like what, what you uh, kind of mentioned, because I feel like this is an important point. You guys had this kind of, I guess we could almost call it a three months of kind of this dark night of the soul almost, where you were just like, okay, everything is like horrendous and we, we don't know how to find hope and we don't know where to look and everything is overwhelming. What do we do? We've been given a, you know, we have a timeline that's ticking. Like what, um, what flipped to help you kind of cope differently and to navigate this in a way that essentially kind of gives you a sense of control. Um, because I think that's one of the most important things that we do as patients, as caregivers, as, as families navigating a cancer diagnosis is coming up with, okay, these are all the things I don't have control of. And these are the things I do have control of. So, mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little about kind of some of those things that you have taken the reins on, um, as a caregiver and that you and Mark have worked together as a team to change that give you that sense of control. Yeah. Well, you're right. It was, those were the darkest days. And, and, and I, I give a three month period because that's, that's kind of where I, we, we looked at each other and just learned or just realized that we were going to fight no matter what, I, whatever we were told, the answer wasn't going to be no to us at all. Um, and I think that the flip came because, I mean, you can only live in darkness for so long, right? How does that feel? You're, you're in cold, rainy weather and you're, told you're going to die and you're looking at your kids and, and your children are sad and they have questions. And, um, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. You got to spend your days living. And at that time we were not living. I mean, we were surviving. I don't even know that we ate. I, I know that sounds so silly. I'm sure we ate. I don't remember family dinners. I don't remember feeling okay about going to one of our kids' basketball games. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember feeling Anything yeah, it clouded, it clouded everything um, for that time. And it was just clouded. And so I think you, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice to live and for the day, for that day. And, and sometimes, I mean, I remember days where it was for the hour, for the hour. I, I remember calling a couple of my girlfriends and saying, you know, you might want to get a, a big old spatula at some point because you're going to have to scrape me like a pancake off the ground because I was just like so depleted and so overwhelmed because I wanted to fix it, you know, as you know, another word for caregiver is a protector, you know, and I think in our situation, Mark has always been my protector. And I we kind of flipped, we kind of flipped modes. And it was it was really my turn. You know, raising four children, I was already in that mode of, of being a caretaker and doing and, and, um, and, and Mark kind of became my fifth child, not in a bad way at all. But just I, I wanted to take that on for him. So I was the one that just, I would be up on all hours of the night. I would just research and research again, trying to find that sense of, of, of one little granule of hope. And I was finding it. And I, Mark would wake up the next day and I'd say, look, I found this. And then we would do something about it. We would make a phone call or we would, you know, uh, research it a little bit more. And it's like, it snowballed. One thing led to the other, led to the other, led to the other. Well, pretty soon, 
um, positivity radiated in our lives. And people would say, how are you guys so happy? Like, why are you so happy right now? And I'd be like, well, we're figuring it out. We're yeah, figuring like you, it out. You definitely feel crazy. like there's, well, and, and, and we, I think we've, we've talked about this before at the run before, but like, just, it's, it's not just that you feel like you're figuring it out. Like you're seeing, you're seeing something that, that translates, yeah. you know, guys, cause like you said, um, what, what did you say in the summary of his diagnosis journey? Like that he has been, he had treatment in December of 2020, uh, for what was it? 10, roughly 10 lesions or no, 20 lesions, um, for immuno. So he started off. Yeah. He started off with, uh, with three very small, I think sub, what do they call it? Sub centimeter. Do they, do you say sub centimeter or sub? I'm the science. Yeah, I don't remember that. the size. They were but they're very, 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 they small. were really small. Yeah. I, I, I liken it to one of the sizes, the size of a Cheerio. I'm very visual. So mm -hmm. I look things up and I'm like, okay, you have a Cheerio in there. That's the size of the one you have. That's how I, I mean, obviously our doctors are probably like dying that I say <laughs> no, that kind if, of stuff. But if, like, if it helps you make sense of it, I think that's important. It does. Um, so, so then he went to about 20 mets, like 20, like it just peppered, yeah, just, just, like, just exploded. And then he went in and he had immunoembolization and he did the, you know, one side and then the other side a month later. So we did four consecutive months. He did September, October, November, December of 2020. Okay. So by the time 2020 was ending, he had four had round, round two, two yeah. of two his, full rounds. round two. So then they do scans, right? So they're monitoring to see if what's happening. And um, Dr. Adamo, because we see Dr. Orloff, you know, she's an umbrella under Sato's team. And Dr. Adamo literally looked at Mark and said, I don't want to say this too loud because there's somebody next to you that's not doing as well. And of course you have empathy. He said, Mark, they're disappearing. And again, there's your hope that that gets you back on the plane, back home. You can interact with your family. You can have family dinners again. You can live. And it's those kinds of things that have kept yeah, us just going. Those, those little victories, um, so to I'm, speak of just like seeing, okay, yes, something I, is helping. Something is, something is stable and, and just finding some, the win in it. Even if it's not, you know, maybe it's not as big as you had hoped. Would it have been great if three months later it was all gone? Sure. But like, we'll take half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I pray for. I pray, I, I, I pray for that. Um, but we live in reality. Uh, we're realists. We know, we know what this disease is all about. Um, you know, we're, I'm not trying to say everybody needs to have wake up every morning and just be the happiest person in the world. And, and that's how you should live every single day. You should try, but I don't. Mark doesn't. We have our moments. Um, but as a team, we when I'm down, he'll bring me up. When he's down, I bring him up. That's just the way it is working. And um, I just want to offer somebody that that glimpse, that, that one glimpse. And um, even in dark hours, there's something, there's something there that is meaningful as to what you're going through and, and why you're going through it. And um no that's, yeah, that's it's, such a it's, it's such a ride. ride for sure but but i and i hope that like you said i hope that this um this brings people just some hope in in the idea of like okay here's here's someone who's doing well um 
Somebody is asking, is the treatment that he's been doing the Kimtrek treatment? So to clarify, immunoembolization is um, one of the liver-directed therapies that um, Dr. Orloff actually talked about on the podcast back in December. You can go mm-hmm. back and you can listen to that episode um, on the podcast if you head to uh, really anywhere that you can listen to a main podcast channel. Um, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podbean, uh, those are all downloadable apps. And then Spotify as well. And if you search... Um, liver-directed therapies under the I Believe podcast, or just scroll back to December, um, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to hear her talk about what is immunoembolization and kind of what are the different liver-directed therapies. And um, so Kimtrak is different than that. Kimtrak actually didn't exist as a possibility for Mark in 2020 because it was still in clinical trial and, um, and and, and he, he doesn't, doesn't qualify. qualify. Yeah. Doesn't like qualify. there's, there's that no, blood test qualify. that we talked about. We've talked a lot about Kimtrak. So just, you know, head over to that. If you want to listen to more about what immunoembolization is, um, one of the things to highlight, and I know that you had wanted to talk about this too, is just this idea that, that you and Mark have focused on finding a way through navigating this, um, in kind of an integrative way. And that that's been really important to you guys. Um, do you want to share maybe why that's important yeah. to you as a family? Um, and you know, for him, for you individually, like, why did that become a decision? Is it just, it just kind of happened that way or was it a conscious, this is what we want? Um, it happened through my research, basically. And I'd like to say that I, I believe in, in in both modalities. I believe in conventional and I believe in traditional and I believe in marrying them. Um, I, I'll never discount anybody doing the conventional side and I'll never discount somebody doing the traditional side. It, it's really everybody's own individual journey. But for us, um, I knew that making sure his immune system was at top notch was was key so what does that look like so then you research right you just start digging into the books i call it going down the rabbit hole and i went down hard um so some of the things that mark does um he does take quite a few supplements um you know just to boost his immune system just to make sure his liver um is functioning properly obviously we get blood tests to make sure all of his levels are good everybody does um but and they they're beautiful they're they're actually beautiful um he he does i'm looking at my little list here i made a list um we we believe in in making sure his body has a good ph balance um and that's you know something people can research is your body acidic or is it alkaline um um we practice gratitude we look at each day and we practice gratitude. There's got to be three things in a day that you're happy for. I don't care. If, um, like right now, I'm happy that my dogs are quiet. Um, and that's part <laughs> of, I'm happy that whoever I don't know at the door left. That's that's my practicing gratitude. No, I'm, I'm joking. Well, but I mean, you can find you, those things. It's fine. No judgment. Yeah. <laughs> you Speaking to others, um, there are quite a few people that have reached out to me and they you know, again, they want to find that glimmer of hope and they say, what, what is Mark doing? What is Mark doing? Well, um, I can give you all the information about what Mark's doing and you can compare notes. You can do your own research and kind of, you know, compare and contrast what, what you need to do, but not every one thing is going to work for the next yeah, person. When we talked so about that just in, ha- like in detail a lot about just this idea that, you know, you and I, and I think many people in the community, in the, really any cancer community come to this conclusion where we stop looking for a cure that is the only one and start looking for, okay, what's going to work for my person and what's going to help my person. And and the bizarre, crazy thing is that what works for person A and person B, they might look similar. They might look like the same thing should work for them based on kind of some of what science looks at. 
And then one thing works for one person and a different thing works for someone else. And we don't know why. And that can be really aggravating sometimes. But I think just just owning the fact that, like you said, it's such a unique individual journey and everybody's going to do things differently. And and just because one thing works for Mark, like, I mean, there's there's so many things that Mark does that you told me about that I know, um, just kind of to, to give an example of someone who came to you looking for advice and ideas, I have taken some of those mm-hmm. ideas and I've used them. And I've also just kind of laid aside some of the ones that I didn't feel like jived right, or they didn't feel like they were something that I needed to focus on. Like, I'm just kind of, that's, that's kind of yeah. where I think that, that intuition as a person comes in where you just have to really listen and say, okay, what does my body need? What is my body telling me that it needs? And, and get in tune yeah, with that. It's changed yeah. and, for us. It's changed. It's probably changed yeah. five or six times now. In fact, I just wrote another list. It was yeah. laid out for him well, last Friday. And like when you he said got at the beginning, like you you would research, you would find one thing, and then you'd introduce something. It wasn't this you suddenly just did all of it at once. You didn't like have twenty mis- no. you know, twenty different supplements and different tests you were doing and different I don't know, just different lifestyle changes that you implemented all at once. This was gradual. And this was you know, with the, with the, um, you know, in connection with, okay, we did four months straight of immunoembolization. So I, I, I guess I'm just trying to make sure that we kind of like splash it with reality that like Lisa and Mark and anybody else who does integrative medicine, they didn't just suddenly get there. They didn't get to that point. They didn't, and, and really even just in navigating metastatic disease, like you don't just get to a point where you are able to function in your life. And it just, you know, it just suddenly happens. It's a very gradual process of, just peeling back the layers and, um, and, and really just kind of gradual layers of understanding, whether it's from research or because you're just getting used to your new normal and, and just kind of learning to accept it. And I think that it, it all kind of plays a role. Um, but I did, I did have a question for you if you're okay to take a quick question. Okay. Um, do you have a, just a couple off the top of your head just before, um, before we kind of start to close out a couple of favorite books or documentaries that you've listened to that, um, have kind of inspired yeah. some of the changes that you, that you guys have felt empowered by. Cause I feel like that's, a, that's an important thing yes. to, to highlight is just that these are changes that you've made or you've done and whether or not they're you know, the 100% key answer is irrelevant because you're empowered. You feel in control. You feel powerful in confronting this as a, as a couple, as a team, as a family. And that's, that makes all the difference in the world. Well, and, and again, that list had to evolve too, based Mm -hmm. on research. So you're not, you're talking about books. You're talking about talking to people. That's another list. You're talking about supplements. That's another list. You're talking about oncology. That's another list. And these lists just keep piling up. And yes, I do have, I, I wrote them down because um, these, these are my favorite books. I did watch the Heal documentary probably 97 times. Um, pretty darn amazing. Just pretty darn amazing how your body works um, and, and, and the, function of, you know, the function of your liver. I mean, uh, alone is, um, mm-hmm. is a miracle. It really is. Um, I loved the Heal documentary. One of the other books I love is called Radical yes, Remission. I love, that one. love that book. I think How to Starve Cancer is another one of my favorites. Um, here's a book that I am not kidding you. It, it seems such a, so silly, but its title is my favorite title ever. It's called Everything is Figure Oh, I love that book. That's it's a really good book. Actually, I think I have it on my shelf over here it's, somewhere. <laughs> it. So just think about that title for a second. I mean, really? Yeah. Everything is figure outable. 
as hard as it gets, as uh, gloomy as it gets, um, there's little pieces mm -hmm. you can pull. And I, I'm not kidding you. I wish I feel like I should get a tattoo tomorrow. And no, I love that. that. I just love that. That's honestly love one that of my thing. favorite books. Um, so if you need it, you is. know, anybody yeah. listening needs a yeah. second opinion to say that book is a really good book. Um, it's a really good book it has it nothing is. to do with cancer <laughs> and has everything to do with just that exactly what it says, just developing that mindset. It's just navigating. Everything is figureoutable because if you approach every problem that you confront in life with that mindset that, okay, I don't know the answer right now, and I might not ever figure out the answer, but I can at least chip away at this. This is figureoutable. And, um, yes. yeah, I, I really love that. And, and just the idea that like, it sounds yeah, like a kid, like it sounds like a kid word. Sounds like a little kid. Yeah, I know that makes, it may actually makes me happy that that title yes, makes me happy. Um, the other thing is, is the, is the earthing book. Okay. I, I learned a lot about earthing and, um, and just, and just kind of reconnecting your body to, to the earth and, you know, regenerating your cells. And some people might think that's whack. Um, that's okay. Um, it, Mark sleeps on an EMF pad and he has the, he has the pillowcase and in, in our mind that works, that that's working. So, um, what works for us may not work for somebody else, but that, you know, when he lays his head down at night, that's something that comforts me as yeah. his caregiver. I'm sure it comforts him. I'm like, okay, he's on his pad, like a little kid. He's on his little it's blanky fine. pad. <laughs> I'm just visualizing um, this though. And yeah. I'm like, cause I know Mark has curly hair. So I'm like, oh, look at his curly hair on the pillow. <laughs> I know my little baby, my mm. little fifth baby is on. No, but pad. he's such, he's such um, a neat guy though. I'm so glad I got to meet him. Yeah. He's a happy, happy man. And, um, you know, that could be another thing is just, you know, when you're, when you're happy, that just, and it doesn't changes. mean forcing yourself to be happy. It means, I guess what I, what I no. see is I see someone, I see you, I see Mark and the people that I know who are happy people, it's because they're intentional about doing the things that bring them joy. And you guys connect, you connect as a family, you connect with your kids, you get outside, you take good care of yourselves. I'm sure there's a bazillion other things you guys are passionate about as people that you engage with and having that kind of, I mean, just, just like a joy for life. Like that's, that is, I feel like what brings that light to someone's eyes. Like it's that joy for living and that, that desire to just wake up and tackle the day, like with whatever it is that you need to, you know, focus on. Um, well, I am just noticing the time, but I have one more thing that I want us to close out with. Um, I want to focus a little on okay. you. Okay. So how do you handle the day-to-day -day stress of this diagnosis as a person? Because this does take a toll on you. And I've seen some of the things that you've been doing recently on Facebook of just kind of like some of the things that you have been doing to really just pull kind of not, not pull back, but just kind of separate. Okay. Here's me in my caregiving role. And here's me in taking care of me. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some of the things that you as a caregiver have found important, um, in self-care or, you know, that help you? Well, it, thank you for asking that. It's, it's just been recently that I've been trying to work on myself as opposed to just kind of looking at this whole thing, this cancer journey and what does Mark need? And, and I think it's important for people to focus on themselves a little bit more. And I haven't been doing that. Um, I love, love, love animals. Um, I've always loved horses. Um, I loved, I love every animal. Mark call, calls me Dr. Doolittle because I could, I had the kids and now that the kids are gone, I'm, I'm starting to ask for like, I want a Highland cow and I don't think the HOA where I live would yeah. let the I mean, Highland cow come live in my backyard. 
but I have, I've been, um, I found a gal here that um, is letting me go out to her barn and I get to ride her horse. I get to brush her horse. I get to just look at the horse. Um, that is therapy for me. That's therapy. Um, so I integrate animals. Um, I love music. I just listen to my happy music. I blare it. Um, that helps me a lot. I journal. I don't do it every single day. I'm not as great as I should be, but I do write things down. Um, I, I kind of organize my notes and I, I write down like maybe a quote. Quotes are big for me. Quotes are very, very big for me. Um, but again, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of bad days. I have a lot of days where I just cry because this, this has created uh, a change in my life, um, a change in our family's life. Um, if one person is not in our family, it changes the puzzle, right? The puzzle, there's a piece missing. And um, I know that we're all going to die. I know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I get all that. It's just that I saw, I thought our life was going to be different. And so I've had to learn to cope and learn to look at it differently. And again, be grateful for that day. But there are days that I'm not so grateful. And that's okay. That's, no, both that's things can definitely exist. You what... can have that kind of newfound acceptance of, um, I think that the quote that we had talked about was that like sometimes you have to let go of the picture of what you thought life would look like and learn to find joy in the story you're living. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't negate the fact that you still mourn the story you thought you were going to live. Every day, every single day, because I love my husband and I love my family. And, um, I just want to grow old with him and I'm going to do everything I can for him today. And the other part of that is as his caregiver, there's two pieces. He has to be on board. Okay. This is not something I'm pushing on him. If I find information and I send it to him, he has to engage in it. It has to be a part of what he wants it to be. And some days he's great about it and some days he's not. He under he tells me he appreciate he appreciates what, what I do and how much I research and what I send to him. But ultimately it is his choice. He's he's the patient, he's the one with the cancer. Um so it's it's a work in progress in our family. But I'm here for the long haul and I, I will stay for the long haul and I also um wanna offer you know, if anybody else needs, needs me, I'm here. I want to be able to be a part of other people's lives and help them. Um, whether it's just to talk, um, that's fine. Whether it's to ask questions about supplements, whether it's to ask questions about the oncology part of things, call me. My phone is open. Um, that would make me happy. Oh, I love that. And and I'm Very grateful happy. just that, yeah. that you offered that to me. Um, cause I know that you, you and I connected at a time that I was pretty low. <laughs> um, and I so, I mean, it's, I but it's, it's been really, I mean, it's been helpful, like you said, to be able to connect with more people and to just kind of, okay, like pull yourself, you know, over the edge of the hole of, of like, I call it the pit of despair. That's, that's what I, when I, when I get in the pit of despair, <laughs> I'm is. like, okay, I gotta like crawl out and like hold on to the edge and be like, all right, who's up here who can help me out? <laughs> like, and, um, <laughs> no. so thank you for being I one of those people. I'll and and you. like you said, um, we'll link up your Facebook and people can reach out to you if they want to connect with you. Um, and I had, I had some other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I think that um, I'm going to have us cover it and maybe a different episode or we'll bring in a couple caregivers and maybe patients and do um, a little bit okay. different of an interview. But Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you to our live You're audience welcome. who listened and just offered some feedback and encouragement. 
We are grateful for you guys. And uh, we will definitely bring this back as a topic of discussion just to, you know, bring the caregivers in and let's let's talk. Um, I guess if you are a caregiver and you're open to having a conversation about, I guess what I would like to focus on in the future would just be um, kind of what are some of the hard conversations, the hard conversations you have to have or that you find yourself unable to have the, the topics that, that get hard to talk about with your person and, and vice versa as a patient, what's yeah. hard to talk about? Like, Let's I think that would that. be good to kind of offer those Let's perspectives. So if you, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to have you come on again, Lisa, but if there's anybody else listening, who's interested yeah. in being a part of that, please reach out to me and we'll, we'll try and do that sometime in the next couple of months. Um, but I actually have to go okay. pick up my kids from school. Wish me luck. <laughs> go get your kids. Thank you for having me today. And, um, I hope you have a lovely you too. Afternoon. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at a cure insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.